I got to clear off this stage, brother. It's going it's to get wild today, okay? There we go. It's all right. I got it, brother. Excellent. You know, amid the incredible horrors of World War I, there was a certain British soldier who was so distraught by the war that he said, you know what, I've got to leave this. And so he deserted the war. As he tried to find his way back home, he came upon this city that had been destroyed by the ravages of the war. It was the middle of the night. It literally was pitch black at night, and he had no idea where he was, and he stumbled upon this road sign. He decided that in order for him to find out where he was, he needed to climb to the top of this road sign and, and read the name of the road. And so he climbed up, and when he got to the cross beam, he held on to read the sign, and he lit a match, and when he lit a match, he was staring right into the face of Jesus Christ. He had climbed up an outdoor crucifix. But when he looked into the face of the Lord, he was stunned by what he saw. As he looked into the face of the Lord, he realized the shame of his decision to desert the war. Here he was looking into the face who endured it all and yet stayed in the battle. Here he is looking into the face of the Lord who endured the worst the world had to throw at him, yet endured it all and never turned back. The next morning that soldier went back to his battalion and he got back in the trenches of the war. That soldier remembered that as a part of an army, he had a duty to discharge. He had a duty to discharge and he was going to respond accordingly. At the end of Romans chapter 13, that's going to be about on page 1009 in the Bibles in front of you, Paul takes the place of a commanding officer. And in this passage, he calls all true believers. And, and I preface that by saying true believers because there's a difference between a believer and a true believer. Would you agree with that? He calls true believers to remember our duty to the Lord. Now, because God's grace and his mercy doesn't cost me and you anything, a lot of times I fear that duty has kind of become a swear word amongst Christians. We know that we can't do anything to, to earn God's grace. We can't do anything to earn eternal life. But once we have received it, friend, I'm here to tell you, you are a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ and you do have a duty. Many people, they don't want to feel like they have a duty to do anything. The world should serve them. They're entitled to receive what they get. But just like that soldier in World War I, 
Every redeemed individual has a duty. We have a duty to the Lord, a duty which I'm ashamed to say many Christians don't do so well. Many are like that soldier. They've gone AWOL. They've deserted the battle. They've let the challenges of the fight cause them just to check out. But I want to remind you, friend, that when you got saved... You enlisted in the greatest battle that has ever been waged, and it's still raging today. Now, there are a few troops who have stayed in the trenches, but many, many soldiers of the Lord have wandered off to do their own thing. These verses we're going to share today Call God's people to get back into the thick of the battle. See, everyone in this room who claims a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has a duty before God. Today, with God's help, I want to point out what that duty is. Let's find out today where we really are in our relationship with Christ. Let's find out today where we really are when it comes to God's will for our lives. Let's learn how we are to discharge our duty. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Paul is writing to the Roman Christians. He's writing to a church just like Bethel. And here's what he says. And do this, knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Christians have a duty. And because Christians have a duty... We need to wake up. Paul said it to those Roman believers, and do this knowing that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You see, friends, we have a duty, a duty to recognize the time that we're in. This verse reminds us that Jesus Christ is going to return for his people one day. But sadly, many believers are just cruising, just cruising lazily, not even considering the fact that Jesus might return at any moment. Therefore, 
Let us heed the advice of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 24. Listen to what your Savior said to you. Watch therefore, for you don't know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You see, Jesus is nearer today than he was yesterday. And you don't know when he'll come. Are you living your life in anticipation of the imminent return of Jesus Christ? If he came back right now, would you be in the place he wants you to be? As Christians, we better recognize the time, y'all. But we also have a duty to redeem the time. See, too many of God's people are sleeping on the job today. Sound asleep. Even the loud voice of Brother Bill can't wake them up. They're sleeping. Sleep is defined this way. Sleep is a state of inactivity. Sleep is a loss of consciousness. Sleep is a decrease in responsiveness to what's going on around you. There are a lot of believers sleeping right now. In other words, the sleeping person is out of touch with what's going on around her. Many believers are living their lives just how they want to live their lives. They're living their lives without any thought as to the will of God. They're living their lives without any thought of the plight of lost people. They're living their lives with no thought that Jesus might return right now. See, when it comes to the things of God, there are many in the church who are sleeping. And did you hear what Paul tells us? He says, it's high time for those who are sleeping to wake up. To wake up. To get out of that state of inactivity. To get out of that state of unconsciousness. To get out of that place where you're no longer responsive to what's going on around you. Wake up. See, every day, people are dying without Jesus, and they are going to hell. Every day, the forces of evil grow stronger, and they work harder than they ever have before. So if you're planning to tell your neighbors about Jesus, now's the time. If you're planning on telling your family about Jesus, now is the time. If you're planning on getting to work for the Lord, now is the time. 
Let us recognize the crisis of this hour. Let us recognize that crisis and dedicate ourselves to being all that God wants us to be. Why? Because Christians have a duty. A duty to wake up. But Christians also have a duty to dress up. Look in verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, we have a duty to discard the garments of darkness. Discard the garments of darkness. The picture is here is this. There's a man who's waking up in the morning and he's taking off his night clothes and he's getting dressed in his work clothes for the day. But there are far many too, far too many believers, rather, still walking around in their pajamas. Do you get what I'm saying? That is, their attitudes and their actions are exactly the same as a lost person. We can't tell the difference sometimes. Friend, when you're saved, the Bible says that we literally become new creations. Paul wrote to another church and said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New. We are new creatures in Christ. We're supposed to be different than what we used to be. We're supposed to be different. We're expected to be different than the world around us. But sometimes, if you'll agree with me, Sometimes you can't tell the difference. Just consider this for a second. When Jesus Christ ordered Lazarus out of that tomb, do you remember what he said? I didn't either. I had to look it up. Let me tell you. In John chapter 11, verse 44, listen to the verse. And he who had died, Lazarus, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth and listen to what Jesus said loose him and let him go loose him and let him go now why did Jesus say that why did Jesus say that Jesus said that because Lazarus was a living man and living men have no use for grave clothes are you getting me As a redeemed child of God, you've got no use for grave clothes of sin. You've got no use for them. Why in the world would you want to dress like a dead person? Why in the world would you want to talk like a dead person? Why in the world would you want to participate in the activities of a dead person? Jesus has loosed us and let us go from those grave clothes of sin. We shouldn't dress like dead people. We shouldn't talk like dead people. We shouldn't participate in the activities of dead people. But guess what? We do. We do. May God help us 
to discard once and for all those garments of darkness. But Paul also says we've got another duty. We have a duty to desire the garments of light. Desire the garments of light. Just as we're commanded to cast off, to discard those garments of darkness, we're also commanded to put on some other things once and for all. You see, you don't wake up, get out of your PJs, get dressed for the day, and then climb back into the sack. Do you? No, you get to work. In the same way, believers are called to make a permanent break with those garments of darkness and make a permanent uh, getting dressed in the things of the Lord once and for all. Paul says, wake up. And then he says, put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. Put on your armor. It's like he's speaking as the commanding officer to a new recruit who has just showed up for duty. That new recruit has come before his commander. And he says that you need to change out of your civilian clothes and you need to put on your uniform. You're getting ready to go to work, son. I'm getting ready to use you. Sadly, Many Christians see their lives as a life of compromise. They say, well, I can honor God over here, but I'm not going to honor him so much over here. That's compromise. But listen to me clearly. God's command says this. I want your total commitment once and for all. Period. Total commitment once and for all. Have you done that? Is that something that God is working on in your life? Are you even willing to do such a thing? Christians have a duty. A duty to wake up and a duty to dress up. But Paul also says that Christians have a duty. So line up. Look at what he says in verse 13. Let us walk properly. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. See, Paul is calling us as soldiers of the cross to line up. To line up and get ready to march for God's glory. And we have a duty to do that. We have a duty, first of all, to walk in honesty. The King James Version says, walk honestly. That means behave properly. That is, we are to live an outward life that's consistent with the one we represent. Are you? Is what you say on the inside being manifest on the outside? If you say that you're saved, then guess what? You ought to live like you're saved. Amen? Does your walk match your talk? Paul says, you have a duty to walk honestly. But he also said that we have a, a duty to walk in holiness. 
after telling us how we should live, walking properly, he tells us how we should not live. And he mentions six sins of the flesh that undeniably were prevalent in Paul's time. But guess what? They're prevalent in our day too. He begins by saying, don't be in revelry or rioting, according to the King James Version. That refers to wild parties, sexual orgies, and brawling. He says, don't be involved in drunkenness, which refers to habitual and intentional intoxication. It might mean, might mean alcohol abuse. It might mean drug abuse. Don't be intoxicated. He mentions lewdness or chambering, as King James says. And that refers to any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. Sexual activity with someone who is not your spouse is a sin. Do you hear me, church? Say it like you mean it. Just because society condones it doesn't mean that God does. He speaks of wantonness. In King James or lust that refers to that unbridled sexual activity he mentions strife those kind of people walk around seeking their own way all the time you ever met somebody like that seeking their own way some of those people are just downright mean ever met somebody like that amen some of these people walk around like they got an attitude all the time got a chip on their shoulder all the time you got to walk on eggshells when you're walking around them. Sadly, the world is filled with it. But you know what? Sadly, so is the church. He also speaks of envy. That spirit of bitter jealousy. That attitude that's me first, everybody else after me. It's that attitude that, that seeks what self wants without even considering how it affects somebody else. Envy. You see, there are people in this room this morning who would never think of committing adultery. They would never uh, think of getting drunk, but they don't give a second thought to talking about somebody behind their back. There are people in this room who would never think of taking illicit drugs, but boy, they don't think twice about neglecting their duty to the church. They don't think twice about taking Jesus for granted. <coughs> Listen to what we need. You ready for this? If you're ready, say amen. amen. Here's what we need. We need an altar full of confessing and repenting believers Asking God to awaken us to our duty to walk in holiness. Amen. We have a duty. We have a duty to walk honestly and to walk in holiness. But we also have a duty to walk in humility. While we're waiting for Jesus to come get us, Paul says, y'all need to be careful. Be careful of how you're living. Be careful of how you're acting. Be careful of how you're talking. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let him influence everything about you. We're to clothe ourselves in everything that Jesus is. We are to adopt his character just like it's our character. 
We're to read about the lifestyle of Jesus and adopt it as our own. That's the high call of God, walking in humility. He's the truth. So guess what? We're supposed to walk in the truth. He is faithful. So guess what? We're supposed to be faithful. He is holy, so we're supposed to be holy. He loves his Father, so you better be living like you love your Father. Friend, he walked in total obedience to God, and guess what? We ought to be walking in total obedience to God the Father. 1 John 2, 6, the Bible says this. He who says, say says. Say it again. He who says he abides in Christ ought himself to walk just as he walked. Well, that's tough, ain't it? Because I read that verse, and the first thing that comes out of my mind is how I didn't walk the way he walked yesterday. And how I need to confess that, how I need to turn away from that kind of behavior. Because I have a duty, y'all. A duty to walk honestly. A duty to walk in humility. I have a duty to God. So how long has it been since you have recalled your duty as a believer? I'll be honest with you, I just don't think about it too much. But boy, I've been chewing on it all week. And I've learned that we have a duty in three areas today. You have a duty to your Savior. That is to live right and to serve Him faithfully until He calls you home one day. He calls you to a duty to be all that He redeemed you to be. You have a duty to your Savior. Are you fulfilling that duty? But we also have a duty to your fellow servants. You have a duty to carry out your responsibilities to the church. Doing your part for the body of Christ. When you joined this church, you accepted that duty. That duty of supporting the work of this church with your time, with your tithes, and with your talents. Are you fulfilling your duty? You also have a duty to sinners, lost sinners. You have a duty to tell a lost and dying world about a crucified and risen Savior. Friends, there are people perishing all over this county. All around this church, people are dying and perishing. Would you want the weight of their life on you because you didn't fulfill your duty? We have a duty. And that's what our 3151 challenge is all about. You've heard about this before because I've been mentioning it every Sunday. And in this 3151 challenge, we find that we're praying for three lost people. We are committing to learning how to share the good news in a way that's easy and conversational. We're also inviting, making a list of five people that we want to invite to church or to our life group. But then ultimately, there's going to be a day in the next 12 months where I'm going to share the good news with the guy 
that I put on my list. Say, Bill, I don't know how to do it. Well, I'm going to show you another quick way to do it today using one verse. One verse. This is how you can do it. All you need to know is one verse and have a little scratch piece of paper. When I was in seminary, I learned that people learn not only by hearing, they learn by seeing, but they also learn by interacting with the message I'm trying to get across. So check out this one verse. The verse is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all you're doing is you're going to explain that verse. You're going to explain, see, here's, here's a little me. That was me on thinner days. But the wages of sin have kept me from a relationship with God. And between me and God because of my sin is this vast gulf. And I can't bridge that gulf. So because I can't do it, God's going to have to do it. Otherwise, the wages of my sin are going to buy me nothing but death. What is death? Death means you got no hope, you got no help, and you got no life. But there's good news in this verse too. Because the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. And it's in Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is eternal life? All the help I need, all the hope I need, and all the life I need. Bill, how can I have that? How can I have that eternal life? It only comes through the cross. And it comes through my Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord Jesus Christ, who died on that cross. And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's it. That's on a stick'em note, y'all. That's on a cocktail napkin over dinner. You can share the good news with somebody who is perishing. So what do you think about your duty today? I struggled to define duty. Duty is defined this way, an obligation that someone is indebted to do because of moral, legal, or religious reasons. However, I think that the sense of duty amongst many Christians is severely lacking. And I had to say that in front of the mirror first. A lot of people think they're saved, and you know what? That's just good enough. I made it. Woe to you who didn't. But you have a duty. You have a duty. You have a duty, friend. See, I think with salvation also comes an obligation. An obligation to serve the Lord with the life that he gave me. What do you think? Would you say that you're everything that God redeemed you to be? Friends, would you say that you're discharging your duty faithfully today? 
Would you say that you're less today than you were perhaps at a, another time in your life? Would you say that you're like that soldier I told you about at the beginning? If you're honest, you've been neglecting your duty? Regardless of where you are, I want you to know today that there's always room to be more like Jesus wants you to be. Whatever your need, the Lord invites you to come. If your need is to give your life to Christ, He invites you to come. If your need is help so that you can walk a closer walk with the Lord, Amen. He just says, come. If your need is to turn away from some trash in your life, he just says, come. Whatever your need is this morning, the promise of God is there's help in this place. There's help in this place if you'll just come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the ultimate gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, if there's one here who would like to come and give their life to Christ, you speak to them and let them respond to your speaking. Father, if there's one who wants to bridge the distance that they, they've, been, they've been walking away from you, or perhaps they've, they've just been gone on a wall, they've deserted back. They realize that this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd invite them to come. Father, if there's that one that recognizes that there's something going on in their life that they need to turn from, Lord, let them know they can come because there's help in this place. It's a place of love. It's a place of reconciliation. It's a place of love. We give you praise for Jesus who made it possible. And we lift this prayer in his name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.